0: Louie. Oh my goodness. What do I see back there, Gavin? What is that right behind you in the corner of this screen? Yes, right there. Isle pile uh, of uh, clothes? Uh, no, you idiot. It's that beautiful honorary spooky bitch clothes. I see it right there.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's very true. That's right. Because we got to give them away. I we got to give, give them, them away. We can't. They're, they're lurking. Okay. There's too <laughs> much. Uh, hi, everyone. We're The Mixed Reviews. We're a film podcast in which we take a subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we spend some time giving you a full history. And then we're like, we like this, but we didn't like this so much.
0: We say, nah, uh, not Mm-mm. cool. Nope. What's that from? What's that from? Hello, bring it on. Nationals platter. <laughs> Um, I like that the,
1: you're able to constantly bring us back to that first episode, that first fresh-faced feeling honestly, when, we were, when we were but all of 18 years old.
0: I know. The legacy. I'm really all about the legacy. This is a legacy exactly. brand, a legacy podcast, obviously, famously. Um, I'm so excited, Gavin, that we are in full holiday swing.
1: We really um, are.
0: You know, our topic today isn't necessarily a holiday topic, but it feels like a holiday to me. It's a treat when we get to watch movies that aren't um, for the pod. But I will say over Thanksgiving, I did sit down with my sister and watched um, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. And that is certainly a movie and uh, <laughs> it is crazy. And that's why I like the holidays because it's just crazy, crazy movies. You got lesbian family stone, which is a very controversial topic on Twitter right now. It but really is. But you know what? I don't care. I like crazy Christmas movies. Um, uh, so I'm excited to uh, dive into this episode because we're also talking about maybe a, uh, a, a little wackier subject. Um, Absolutely. But before we get into that, we have some old business to take care oh, of. It is old,
1: but very important. Mm-hmm. Distinguished, if you will. D-
0: just, yes, correct. Uh, our last episode, we talked about Miss Mandy Moore, Um and we asked you guys to go online miss mandy
1: if you're nasty
0: yes miss Amandelin Moore lee um if you're i don't know canadian uh, <laughs> and we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite mandy Moore movie and it's literally um in tied for i guess last place we have a walk to remember and chasing liberty with eight percent i'm shocked not more votes for a walk to remember i, I was like... also shocked um, I, feel I, like really, all...
1: I really thought, and I also thought that there would
0: maybe be some write-ins for how to deal. I don't know why. Um, okay, one of my good friends, Andrea, did text me. She was like, I don't know how to deal with how to deal not being on this list. And I was like, that's crazy. I cannot believe you enjoy that movie.
1: I also think your uh, sister read me for filth about, what did the, she say? Fact, about the fact that uh, License to Wed is a good movie. To which I say, no, it's not. She Sorry, said that? I think it was I think it was your sister. I don't know. Um, listen, d- I'm, a, I'm a glass of wine in it could Uh, it it could be anybody at this point
0: it it, it could could have been my mom Uh,
1: my mom could have written it and been like you know what licensed to wed hilarious
0: she's like gavin how dare you i don't (laughs) think my sister would say something like that but maybe but i don't know stranger things have happened um (laughs) and then tied for have we ever had a tie before in a poll
1: yes we have okay well 81 episodes in we've had a tie
0: okay calm down i thought this was special but i guess it's not um (laughs) We have a tie for first place. Forty-two percent of you said you love *Tangled*, and forty-two percent of you said you love *Saved*. I will say though that our friend Jessica says that just for the record, *Saved* is a very close second for me. So I don't know what she voted for, but we have a close second for *Saved*. So oh, interesting. Was... She could have tipped yeah
1: *Tangled* we doing... into a tie position.
0: If we're doing ranked voting, perhaps yes, <laughs> saved might have come out on top. Um, but I also love that, like both her and uh, Taylor, um, both used the same iconic GIF and their oh, response. Yeah. I am filled with Christ's love, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and I saw. Um, can confirm, my friend Alex from high school. She DM'd me and said, "Absolutely, your DVD of Saved is at my house in Laredo."
1: Oh thank God! I, I was, have been. I was, I was worried oh, about it. I was worried about it. Oh my God! It. I was. I literally. I'm. I've been emailing the people at yeah. Unsolved Mysteries since it came yeah. back thank to you. Netflix, and I was just like, "You guys, this is a really important episode. You really got to get that right." Uh,
0: but luckily, yeah, and also, um so many people reached out and just said um i've got you inspired me to rewatch saved um which is always a good deal i think saved is one of those movies that's just like always fun always good to like come yeah. back around to uh, so miss mandy moore we thank you we salute you and yeah. goodbye <laughs> <laughs> goodbye thanks uh, for your
1: service <laughs>
0: yes i will continue missing you like candy uh while we continue this podcast journey
1: we will always have a crush on you
0: Uh, Gavin, do we have any more old business to talk about?
1: Why, yes, we do, because uh, we have a giveaway and we have one more review. And I'm actually going to do the review first, and then we can move right into our giveaway. But I did notice we got another five-star review on iTunes, which, by (laughs) the way, if you go to Apple Podcasts, you can leave us five stars and write a little review, and we'll read it on the show. And this one comes courtesy of Jen from the Community Rewatch Podcast. It's titled Fun and In-Depth. Louis and Gavin are so much fun to listen to. Their combined knowledge of film and passion for it is evident in their episodes. Plus, they have such great rapport. If you want a deep dive into actors and actresses with enjoyable co-host banter, this is the show for you. Their Mandy Moore episode was an A+. Keep up the great work, smiley face. Thank you so much, Jen.
0: That's great. Smiley's right back at you, girl.
1: Absolutely. And, And we really do appreciate it. And plus, it helps other people find us if you leave a rating and review and so that's why we beg for it mercilessly every week yeah Uh,
0: right before we started we got a message on twitter that was so nice um i don't know this this follower's name but her her handle is at glam for glamourphonic, and um she said you two are giving people the flowers they deserve and it's so uplifting and i think both me and gavin had a little like heart melt moment um (laughs) just because and again i've said this before you know I love our show so much because people can go through a catalog and find people that they love and that they want to um, hear about and kind of go down memory lane with. Um, and uh, she said that she listened to Viola, Regina and Queen Latif episodes and was just feeling really um, grateful for uh, us giving the hype and shine to these beloved um, performers. And we just love sharing that with you guys. Uh, So thank you for all the kind words and thank you for listening. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think
1: it's, I think it's very easy to forget that the, a lot of the subjects we cover, especially obviously when we're not doing a genre breakdown are people. And Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I think it's very easy to, you know, put celebrities be they directors actors actresses on a a pedestal and and think like oh well that could never happen to me or i don't have the talent for that or and i think you know we've we've really come to show over the course of 81 episodes that no everybody's got a story everybody comes from somewhere they've got a bit in their life and they've dedicated themselves to their craft and they've dedicated themselves to each other and i don't know i think it's a, a really beautiful thing to to celebrate that a lot and also Obviously, no one's perfect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, you can, no matter what you're doing, you're going to make mistakes. Things are not always going to be good. And that doesn't mean your um, work is worthless, you know? Like, there is worth in bad movies. There's worth in good movies. And we're just having a good time.
1: There's so much. And that is such a misconception. There is so much worth. There's so much worth in bad movies. There really are. And that's the other thing is, you know we're not a hive mind in, yeah. in in life. You know, one movie can be absolutely awful to somebody else and be a masterpiece. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to sort of remind people of that because we don't always agree either. So Right.
0: Because it's like, you're the trash, I'm the treasure. And absolutely. it's like so crazy. Like that's just the, how it um, is.
1: Oh my God, you can smell me through the internet. <laughs> I knew it.
0: smell a vision she's here. So we have a giveaway.
1: We have a giveaway. We have two... Very limited edition. They are one of four uh, (laughs) t-shirts that exist that say honorary spooky bitch. Mm -hmm. You can go on to our Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews to have a look at it. Uh, We did a contest to enter in and we got a lot of entries. So I'm doing a random number generator uh, and I just did the first one the XL because there was less it was less contentious for the XL. And that is going to our good listener, Brittany.
0: Brittany! Congrats! An official honorary spooky bitch. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: And plugging in the number for the random number generation for the large. Here we go. Here we go. Michelle Pod.
0: Michelle! Oh, my God. Deserved. Absolutely deserved.
1: Now hopefully anybody else who entered no hard feelings don't feel too bad i was thinking about making more shirts they're going to say different things they're going to be different colors so if you want one we'll probably have more contests coming your way so please don't get disheartened you can always enter those and obviously if you won one already you can enter those as well too
0: there you go (laughs) Uh, fortune favors the bold So, um, Michelle, Brittany, we're going to send you the shirts. We want you guys to look cute in them, tag yourself, do a photo shoots. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's the yeah. holidays get crazy. Spread the word, wrap some garland around it. Hold a, yes. uh,
1: hold a menorah, you know? Oh my
0: God. What if they like give the shirt away as a gift? That would make me so happy.
1: Also a stocking stuffer. Oh, or if you're like me and you're a total Grinch, save it
0: for yourself. <laughs> Wear it. <laughs> Well, Gavin, you are famously the Grinch. I am the Cindy Lou. Who absolutely? Of this I'm podcast. the Matthew
1: Morrison NBC <laughs> Grinch.
0: Oh my God, Gavin! Oh. Please, we've moved out of our spooky area. Please.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of, we should really get to this week's topic. But thank you once again to everybody who entered. We really do appreciate it, and what we will be doing more giveaways as the year commences, or commences? Is that start?
0: As the year ends
1: and commences, absolutely. But we are here today to talk about somebody who is not just an amazing actor, but also a comedy legend. Louis. who are
0: we talking about today? We're talking about the actual icon, Mr. Eddie Murphy himself, the $7 billion man. <laughs> that Leather, I, suit, and ugh, all. Yes. I, I, I don't know what happened to me while I was watching these movies. I was like, I've never thought Eddie Murphy was like a hot person, but he is what he is
1: he's actually yeah um, he's he's very good looking especially young like like 40 oh, 48 yeah. hours beverly yeah. hills cop e- yeah. even training places when he's you know yeah. playing <laughs> playing a, a con man like yeah i was still like, i'm like okay he
0: knows how to rock a pair of sneakers and some jeans and a nice little leather jacket oh my god his i uh, there are a lot of reasons why we chose eddie murphy but i think We were, um, for at least for me, I was like, he has such an interesting career. He is a legend. Been along for um, such a long time. Um, You know, I think I have a lot of memories as a kid um, watching like Dr. Doolittle and The Nutty Professor. Um, And then we have, uh, uh, we've seen him in previous episodes. You know, we saw him in Trading Places for our Jamie Lee Curtis. I think I saw uh, Beverly Hills Cop for the Buddy Cop episode
1: yes. uh, and 48
0: uh, hours as well yeah yes yeah, 48 hours boomerang vampires in Brooklyn like th- we've seen him a lot my five-star review for our Renaissance episode Mulan um, and so, so funny. I I know he's so good um, and he's just one of those people that I think defines American Hollywood you know like he I I've, I read this interview where um it was for indie wire and the interviewer was kind of like you know, there might be a lot of uh, younger people who don't know your work and and he can't even like finish his question because Eddie Murphy's like, no, fucking wrong. I, 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 I do not accept the question. He was like, you think there's someone in the world that doesn't know who I am? He's like, my movies are playing all the time. He's like, you turn on HBO Showtime, well, no matter what, it's like, it's either Shrek, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. He's like, no, I don't accept.
1: <laughs> and that's one of the things I think is really funny about him because I think oftentimes a lot of people think that that aspect of Eddie Murphy is unbridled ego and Mm -hmm. genuinely I don't think it is I think he's being honest he sort of mentioned that before him he's mentioned a couple times before him Hollywood really treated it as there can be one black actor at one time. It's the Sidney Poitiers, it's the Richard Pryor, and it's the Bill Cosbys. It can only be this one person. Mm -hmm. And then he came around, and and he really helps usher in a new era. He starts the career of so many other black actors, Mm -hmm. including Halle Berry, which we talked about. You know, Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, Arsenio Hall, he helps push these people. Yeah, Martin Lawrence. He pushes these people tommy davidson he pushes these people forward into the spotlight and spreads his spotlight out Mm -hmm. and so i don't know i think i think he's deserved to be able to say that to a reporter and and i i also heard him in an interview say he's he doesn't actually believe he's ever been in a flop
2: i kind of see it from a different perspective than the way you guys may see it see because from in my view i've never had a, a flop movie or a movie that didn't work if I did the movie, and they paid me lots and lots of money to do it, it's a fucking smash, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And a movie is only in right. the movie theaters for three months, so I can't right. go. Oh, that movie didn't work in the movie theater. Uh, it, then it's on. I see the movies that worked in the movie theaters. Right. I'll see Forty Eight Hours play and Pluto and Nash should play right afterwards, right, and nobody right. knows that. You, know, <laughs> nobody's saying. Nobody, you know, right. they're, they're just part of the lexicon, you know. Right. So any movie that I was in that they paid me a lot of money for was a fucking smash. <laughs> and, and to be perfectly honest, we we celebrate Pluto Nash at my house. We don't, we don't have we don't have Christmas Day. We have Pluto Nash Day.
0: Yeah. Even his flops make or flops in air quotes like make money. Like even um Norbit made a lot of money. You yeah. Know? Like there are movies that just are no they're not movies. There are certain stars and he is one mm-hmm. of them that no matter what, even if it gets ripped apart by reviewers people are going to go see because he is just that magnetic of a star absolutely so i think
1: it's time for us to move into our rewind edward reagan murphy wow was a born- republican
2: <laughs>
1: was born april 3rd 1961 that makes him 59 years old he was born here in Brooklyn, New York City, where I am right now in the, in Bushwick. He was born in Bushwick? Yeah. Amazing. Um, so let's find him. Let's look right.
0: around. Uh, <laughs> I'm going over.
1: <laughs> his mother, Lillian, was a telephone operator and his father, Charles Edward Murphy, was a transit police officer and an amateur actor and comedian. His father died in 69 when Murphy was only 8. And Murphy Mm. later said, quote, My mother and father broke up when I was 3, and he died when I was 8. So I have very dim memories. He was a victim of the Murphy charm. A woman stabbed my father. I never got all the logistics. It was supposed to be one of those crimes of passion. If I can't have you, no one else will kind of deal.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's uh, intense. And uh, maybe like the dark side of charming or i guess you yeah and and i
1: i mean you're gonna hear about it i mean the the, there is a murphy charm oh Uh, yeah we're gonna tell you how many kids he has so honey (laughs) um his mother later became ill so at the age of eight uh eddie and his older brother charlie who unfortunately just passed away a couple years ago uh lived in foster care for a year and he said that you know, foster care was sort of influential for him developing a sense of humor. Later his him and his brother were raised in Roosevelt, New York, by his mother and stepfather Vernon Lynch, who is a foreman at an ice cream plant. He said he wasn't a class clown.
2: In high school, like I graduated like most the most popular boy, you know, that like shit. I was a cool dude. So I was always funny, but I was never a clown. I was like this dude on the side say some funny shit from the side.
1: But the moment he realized he was funny actually comes when he was on
2: the bus. And I might have been like like eight or nine, we were on the bus coming from a McCarran pool in Brooklyn. And everybody that got off the bus, I was kind of like doing like what, what they sound like, you know, and what they, where they were going. And everybody on the bus was kind of laughing. And they, they realized each time they got off the bus, I was going to be doing it about them. And it was kind of like, I realized the whole bus was laughing. That's the first time it was a group. And when I got off the bus, they clapped. Oh, wow. His first standing ovation? Yeah, and that's a that's a big deal for
1: a kid, especially a kid who wants to be funny. So it's not until he's 15 that he really sort of realizes what he wants to do. And what he does is he puts on a Richard Pryor comedy album called That N Word's Crazy. That really, that like put the germ in his head. Like, oh, I can do this. This is something I want to do. Like that changed everything for him.
2: Richard Pryor is the ceiling of the art form. He's the you know the Mozart or whatever, you know of comedy. That album I remember getting it and listening to it over, 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 like by myself. all the time. And so
1: he realizes that he could take this talent that he sort of equated with Peter Sellers, who was a big hero of his of of mimicking people and combining it with you know this this sort of comic timing of people like Red Fox and Richard Pryor uh, into becoming a comedian. So on July 9th, 1976, a date which Murphy marks as the beginning of his career, he performed in a talent show at the Roosevelt Youth Center doing an impersonation of singer Al Green. He starts working in clubs within walking distance of his house and late night jobs at locations that required him to commute by train. Um, And he did this by skipping school. That's Uh, amazing. But it lays the groundwork for the Eddie Murphy that we know.
0: I just looked up Roosevelt. That's like out there, Barnaby. That's like Long Island, I guess. Oh, yeah. It's deep. 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 Deep
1: you know the early bit of his career was people found it a little divisive especially since he was so young and he, he used a lot of swearing uh he used a lot of skewering of ethnic groups uh especially white people which we deserve it <laughs> so <laughs> yes um, you guys do but uh so he's making a name for himself he's doing stand up around he's rubbing certain people the wrong way and, yeah. and maybe not, you know, we're going to get to that in a moment, but he goes on, uh, in 1979, the f- original cast of SNL leaves. Right. And so they're and it's, looking, it's
0: all of them, right? Like they yeah,
1: all these? essentially. Yeah. And so they're looking for replacement. They're really starting the show from the ground up and he goes on and the story annoys every other actor he's ever met. He goes on the only audition he's ever been on in his entire career
0: that's fucking wild
1: yeah he auditions for snl there's two callbacks but he makes it to the show and you have to understand the timeline on this he just graduated high school a child he's a child and he equates going to snl as college
2: i'm literally the age you would be when you would go to college Mm -hmm. and that's what that place was like it was like going to you know school for what i wound up doing that was like the harvard you know for comic (laughs) actors like so many people came out of it. so yeah everything you learn everything there and
1: he's going to be on one of the biggest shows on one of the big three networks on television
0: and just doing lots of cocaine with strangers i mean (laughs) well that's
1: the thing he's not And that's what's interesting about Eddie Murphy. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't drink. In fact, he tells a story where he goes to a club and John Belushi and Robin Williams are there and they offer him cocaine. And he's like, no. And John Belushi thinks he's the biggest fucking square he's ever met after that.
0: Imagine telling Eddie Murphy that he's a square. Imagine that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, his time on SNL does not go to waste. You know, he makes a huge name for himself. He starts doing impersonations of the Little Rascal's character, Buckwheat. He does mm-hmm. Mr. Robinson, which he has always said was always done with love. And that's why Mr. Rogers liked it. He was like, oh, yeah, Mr. Rogers liked our skits because they weren't mean. They weren't about how creepy he was because I didn't see him that way. Right. And, and he, also,
0: he also does Gumby, right? Gumby, really famous exactly. Gumby,
1: yeah. uh, famously, Gumby's like morose sort of cynical voice Comes from his first agent.
2: Who is talking on my set? Who the hell is talking on my set? It, it's your wife, Mr. Gumby. I told you to keep that cow off the set. Where the God?
1: So he's doing those, and all, all the while, he's still continuing to do stand up. And I think that's really what's important is, you know, once a week for like 20 shows a year, people are seeing them on their TV. But on top of that, he's going around, he's doing stand-up in theaters and he's really made a name for himself by making these multiple appearances. He's a young guy, you know, yeah. he's got the energy to do it. Uh, and that brings us to, you know his concert films that he makes during his time at SNL his two big albums end up coming out. In 1982 there's Eddie Murphy Raw, which was Yay. just called Eddie Murphy at the time. Um in 83 Delirious is filmed in Washington D.C. and because Delirious is so popular, Eddie Murphy Raw gets released as a thing later in 87 and it ends up having a wide theatrical release and it grosses 50 million.
0: Wow. Um, and $50 million for a stand-up special released like on the big screen. Yeah. Wow. And, and I mean, what
1: can we say about his comedy? I've already mentioned it's it's kind of crude.
0: It's I mean, kind of is is, generous. generous. I I tried watching I don't know if it was raw or delirious. I think they're both on Netflix. Um, He looks very young, full of energy, but I couldn't get through it, honestly. And not because I didn't think it was funny, but I just don't know, like you have to have the temperament to like want to sit through a lot of like and you know he uses the word faggot without any care and we're gonna get we're gonna we'll get to like
1: yeah well that's that's the thing is so raw contains uh the album of raw contains a track called faggots and delirious contains a track called faggots part two um neither of these uh performances are kind in any way shape or
2: form straight up Faggots aren't allowed to look at my ass while I'm on stage. That's, that's why I keep moving while I'm up here. So if you don't know where the faggot section is, you got to keep moving. So if they do see it, it's quick and you switch. And they don't get no long stare at your shit. Start having imagination flowing my, about my I know what you're looking at too because my ass get hot.
1: They are homophobic, to say the least. He has, I, this is, and this is one of the things that, you know, is unfortunate about the internet, and I don't want to blame cancel culture, because I don't believe in cancel culture, but I do think that there is a a slight amount of research that does have to go into certain things, and I feel like anytime Eddie Murphy has a new project, somebody brings those up, and yeah, they're bad, they're really bad, and I'm not defending them, but he has apologized multiple times for... For these comedy routines, you know, in the '90s when he was doing his kids films, he he released a full apology statement saying that he was young, he didn't understand, uh, it wasn't his intention to hurt people, and he's sorry that he did. I mean, uh, beyond
0: that, I mean, so like, there's a story where he he was in San Francisco filming Metro, and yeah. you know, they uh, one of the city council members there, I know that's not what they're called, but whatever the fuck they're called, uh, you, you know, demanded an apology, and he straight up was like you know exactly what you said he was young and and didn't know and he's like um the black community has been hit hardest by aids than anyone and i just wasn't informed and you got to think like so these he filmed these in like 1982 to 81 whatever like this is when no one knew anything about aids um as a culture people were quicker to make fun of gay people than um empathize and under and want to even try and understand what was going on with the AIDS crisis so I I guess I I don't want to like absolve him because he said those things and it's bad but like I can make the choice like you know what I don't want to watch that and uh I know that he has learned from his mistakes and wants to move forward from that so like I I I'm 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 fine. I'm yeah. fine. And there I, are, I am. Yeah. Well, there are I mean, bits of the, the show that I think are funny. Like I saw the ice cream bit and raw, like there, there are, he, I mean, he obviously is a very funny human being, but like, you know, right. And, and, and that's
1: the thing. Like, had he never addressed it, then yeah, we'd have a fucking problem.
0: Right. Right. But he
1: has, and he has multiple times, even this past year when he was making the rounds for Dolmite, is my name. Somebody asked him, about it and he said i was a young guy processing a broken heart but i was an asshole and yeah. it it was
0: a lot yeah he's he's taking ownership of it and so it's yeah. not like he's trying to deny it or you know um, and once
1: again he was you know a fucking kid he was a kid and right. i don't know what kid isn't an asshole sorry right. children <laughs> children <laughs> so, out there i'm so sorry but i'm you are so an sorry i'm so sorry you fucking assholes uh <laughs> <laughs> ain't that the truth on that's the uh, next shirt.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> His time at Saturday Night Live is coming to a close because he starts getting movies. I mean, he's yeah. he's still doing movies while he's at SNL. So in '82, he does Forty Eight Hours with Nick Nolte, which we, as you mentioned, we previously talked about in our Buddy Cop episode, mm-hmm. and it was a huge hit. And it, You know, originally 48 Hours was, and this happens to him a couple times during his first couple films, it was originally a Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder movie, which I can't imagine Gene Wilder in the Nick Nolte role. Um, And he ends up becoming the first cast member of Saturday Night Live uh, to host saturday night live while still being a regular there was a christmas episode in 82 and the host was too ill to go on and he Amazing. took their place Amazing. Um, and so he opened the show with live from new york it's the eddie murphy show
0: oh wow
1: that's the other big thing during his tenure at SNL is it's the it's the five years without Lorne Michaels it's when Bill Ebersole was in charge right and so really they've said that the only reason SNL is still on for those five years and I'm sure a lot of the other cast members at the time probably don't want to hear this but it was because of Eddie Murphy yeah he was the funniest person on the show so the following year he ends up in trading places with Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis and it's a comedy where he plays a con man and and Dan Aykroyd and him switch places due to the machinations of two rich old white men who basically bet on their futures over right. a dollar. Um, it is not a PC movie. Dan Aykroyd does blackface. Yes. That was fun. Yes. Ugh. I've been having this conversation a lot, um, mainly around I'm watching a slew of documentaries that are sort of wax nostalgic for the age of no restrictions and, oh. and i don't realize i didn't realize like how deeply ingrained that was in everything and so you think about like the 80s becoming you know d dere- reagan gets in charge and starts getting deregulated and and there's no boundaries anymore and suddenly like blackface is a thing again in the 80s and i you really don't remember it if
0: you grew up in the 80s but if you if you look back if it's you look it's hard there. to miss yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, Trading Places was fucking wild. Again, one of the movies where it's like, Wall Street, what is it? What does it do? How does it work? I don't know. People are yelling. I see people writing shit down. I'm like, really, how efficient could it be to be yelling at someone about things you want to buy and sell? (laughs) I don't understand. Okay? What are you
2: trying to say, William? Okay, pork belly prices have been dropping all morning, which means everybody's sitting in their office and they're waiting for them to hit rock bottom so they can buy cheap and go long. So people that own the pork belly contracts are going batshit. So they're thinking, hey, we're losing all our damn money and Christmas is around the corner and I ain't going to have no money to buy my son the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, okay? And my wife ain't going f- to make love to me because I ain't got no money, right? So they're sitting there and they're panicking. They're screaming, sell, sell! Because they don't want to lose all their money, right? They're out there panicking right now. I can feel it. They're out there. They're panicking. Look at it. He's right, Mortimer. My God,
0: look at it.
1: There is one really positive side effect of this movie. In 2010, as part of the Wall Street Transparency and Accountability Act, which was to regulate financial markets, a rule was included which barred anyone from using secret inside information to corner markets, similar to what the Duke brothers tried to do in the movie. Since the movie inspired this rule, it has since become known as the Eddie Murphy Rule.
0: Incredible. I will say I'm not mad at the movie. The movie's like fine for what it is in the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's
1: a lot of issues, but you're right. It's, it's got funny moments. And Eddie Murphy is such a breath of fresh. I mean, like
0: Dan Aykroyd's not a great actor. He's I just, fine. Like, he's, he's fine. I'm not gonna, I, I won't say he's not good. He's fine. Especially in this. He does a very good Winthrop. Um, <laughs> but wait, Gavin, did you like read about some shenanigans with John Landis? And Eddie? Yes.
1: Well, I've known about John lane I've been a big like, li- literally at at one point years ago, my roommate was like, "Do you want to go to the screening of American Werewolf in parish John Landis is going to be there. He's doing a Q and A, and I was like, "Well, can I ask him about Vic Morrow and those two children he murdered?" And, <laughs> and Brandon was like, "No, you uh you can't come." Now <laughs> I was like, "Excellent." Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. So, like, I've been a big, like, uh, but this does start, this is the first movie he does with John Landis.
0: But also, I mean, I guess, like, we're going to talk about this kind of going through his career and whatever this thing is and how we want to categorize it. But, like, I was reading that, like, even on 48 Hours, the director and um, Nick Nolte had to, like, vouch for Eddie Murphy that um, a lot of executives didn't like what he was doing in the dailies. Like, they were not happy with him. And then... Into Trading Places, I've read that Eddie Murphy was like, I never want to fucking work with John Landis again. Fuck that guy. He yeah. straight straight up told him, like, as they are filming, he's like, look, we're not going to be friends, but we're going to finish the picture. Yeah. Um, and which I think will later, he will gain a reputation for being, quote, difficult. Yes. Um,
1: which is like a huge, I, I mean, it's it's especially destructive when you label a black woman uh, difficult, but it is pretty devastating when you label a black man Um, yeah yeah for sure and part of also the falling out with John Landis was John Landis I don't want to give too much backstory on him but while making the Twilight Zone movie he did accidentally cause the death of Vic Morrow and two children who were decapitated by a helicopter blade and he wanted Eddie Murphy to be a character witness at his trial and Eddie Murphy was like no (laughs) if you are filming illegally at night when you shouldn't be with two kids who aren't actors and they die after you call action, you're responsible. Yeah. that's fucking
0: crazy. That psychopath.
1: And and so like that had always led some tension, but they go on to work together many Mm -hmm. times again. Uh, It's funny too, because that was another, as I mentioned before, it's another movie that was slated for Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. And when Eddie Murphy got brought on, he basically convinced them to dump Gene Wilder because wow. he didn't want people to think that he was trying to do what Richard Pryor does.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which
1: I, I kind of think is a smart move, and I'm sure it didn't. It certainly didn't hurt yeah wow career in 1984 he does this movie uh where he's credited as a strategic guest star it's called best defense it stars dudley moore it's a movie where their characters never meet because essentially what it is is it was a dudley moore movie that didn't work and so they filmed an entire different plot with eddie murphy and jammed the two movies together but they were so eager to get eddie murphy in order to save this film Jeffrey Katzenberg showed up to SNL with a giant check for Eddie Murphy. Um, Eddie Murphy doesn't have a lot of fun things to say about that movie. He did once. And this is the thing you'll also hear about. He's a very self-effacing person. He refers to the best defense as the worst movie in the history of everything. Oh, okay. (laughs) Cool. And then 84 rolls around and 84 is Murphy's first solo leading role. It's Beverly Hills cop. Mm -hmm. Um, It ends up grossing a paltry 230 million at the u.s box office yeah isn't it
0: like the third highest grossing comedy of all time yeah i think so
1: it's the highest grossing film of 1984 the highest grossing comedy of all time and the highest grossing r-rated film of all time as of may
0: 2018 so um yeah paltry Uh, (laughs) Uh, uh, again, again, OK, so on our if uh, listeners, if you go to our Facebook, I posted an article that was written by The New York Times back in the day, uh, like in 84, talking about how this movie was made and how originally um, Sylvester Stallone was supposed to star in this movie. And there were and, no jokes. And, and he was like, hmm, I don't like laughing. Um, and so it was going to be a lot more action, a lot more, you know, what what, what Stallone does. And they, in the end, like, were trying to negotiate. And he was like, all right, I'm out. And they were, like, shook and trying to find someone to replace him. And they found Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy ended up, like, improvising a lot of his fucking lines. Oh, yeah. Um, the lines, um, I think what what did the director say, something about the, the his favorite thing that he did was, um, he was like, we have these lines. You need to get into this club. And the maitre d' is going to, like, try and stop you. But, like, what's working in the script isn't really working. Uh, can you just, like... Think of something and then on the spot he made up tell him that um ramon went
2: to the clinic today and i found out that i have um herpes simplex 10. and i think victor should go check himself out with his physician to make sure everything is fine before things start falling off on the man uh perhaps you better tell him that you know i think that would be best
1: what else can you really say about beverly hills cop it's so fucking funny it genuinely is and it's like really a breath of fresh air for those types of movies those actiony absolutely and it's so funny because i feel like in the 90s he tries to distance himself from that and does some like serious cop movies
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah and it's just like why you
0: there's a reason why we like this though yeah
1: you're so good. He gets offered a role in Star Trek for The Voyage Home. He ends up not taking it. And the part's heavily rewritten as a love interest and given to Catherine Hicks. But he basically enters in with an exclusive Paramount Pictures contract at the time. And the, the amount of money that he gets paid for that contract actually ends up rivaling Star Trek as like the most lucrative franchise that Paramount had. So oh, he's sure. making the money that Star Trek is making
0: right it's like eddie murphy's making all the money that star trek is making yeah Same thing
1: um in 86 he does the golden child which is a supernatural comedy but it is essentially beverly hills cop with um a mysticism mysticism really sh- sh- shitty re- asian representation very and, bad not good uh, uh but i will say as a little kid That movie made me laugh hysterically. A lot of
0: stop motion. A lot of the graphics team
2: working hard,
0: working Uh, hard.
1: The scene where he runs into the villain at the airport, and he's like, "Oh, my brother Numsi!
2: I should be punished. Everyone, I have stolen from my brother Numsi. Officer, it is your duty to take me in. Please purge me. I am ashamed of myself. I should be arrested. I should be purged." I should be flogged. I don't deserve to walk amongst good people, but I am a swine. I am a wretch. I don't deserve to live like others. I I don't think you can keep up this miserable masquerade. Well, until I get arrested or until you realize the rules of evidence in this country.
1: In 87, he reprises his role as Axel Foley in the Tony Scott directed Beverly Hills Cop 2. It's actually from a story that he came up with himself. So he really plays his hand in developing the roles that he wants to see and and, and the style that he wants to move in um once again that film only makes three hundred million. god so unsuccessful um and uh because of the the sort of power and clout that he's amassed he ends up Directing his own film, Harlem Nights, it's the only film he's ever directed to this day. Comes in 1989. His brother, Charlie Murphy, co-writes the story with him. And he ends up being able to cast his heroes, Richard Pryor and Red Fox, in it. Movie's a bit of a mess. I, I, I I mean, Eddie Murphy admits that it's a mess. He has said that he did not have the discipline to direct at the time that he was in his 20s. And so he thought more... About like getting to the end of the day and going to the parties, right? Um, right.
0: I will say this was one of the first movies I watched for this, and as soon as it started, I'm, I'm really glad I started this because this movie is unabashedly black. It is giving the space and runway for all these really amazing black performers to shine, be funny. Um, there's a full scene where he gets in this like fight with is that Della Reese? Yes, um, <laughs> that's
1: the highlight of the movie and it's it, so fucking it's, funny it's and so Della Reese is hysterical. And the funny thing is is she turned down the role at first. She was like
0: I'm not going to say that many cusses on screen. No, and it's I'm so, so good. So I'm so glad good. she came around yeah. because literally it's Eddie Murphy and Della Reese in like an alleyway beating the shit out of each other and just like talking shit. <laughs> oh, come on, beard, don't you want to talk about I this? ain't
2: got nothing to say. You done not insulted me. And I got to kick your ass right now. (laughs) And afterwards, I don't want no hard feelings either. (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? Ain't nothing wrong with me. What the fuck is wrong with you? You done accused me of stealing. The only thing I'm stealing out here today is your face. (laughs) You out of your fucking mind? Oh, yeah.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. I think it's a fun movie even if it is kind of a mess I really enjoyed it.
1: They always say never meet your heroes and I'm glad that um Eddie Murphy's opinion of Richard Pryor hasn't really changed over the years because that would I think that would break my heart cuz he gives him such credit for bringing in Richard Pryor, on the other hand, felt very different about Eddie Murphy. In his autobiography, Pryor Convictions and Other Life Sentences, Richard Pryor stated he, quote, never connected with Eddie Murphy. People talked about how my work had influenced Eddie, and perhaps it did, but I always thought Eddie's comedy was mean. I used to say, Eddie, be a little nice, and that would piss him off. I finished Harlem Nights thinking Eddie didn't like me. Wow. Um, and Eddie Murphy
2: has talked about that a bit. Well, you know, I didn't know that stuff was going on. Richard would act really cool with me. I thought it was all good. Then yeah. I found out afterwards some of that other stuff. But when I would when I would go face-to-face with Richard, he'd be really nice to me. He was yeah. be sweet to me.
0: I mean, the, he was an older, you know, middle-aged man. Eddie Murphy was still, like, riding high right. as a young, you know, uh, hot shot. So it doesn't surprise me that, like, you know, I don't want to – hit it off with, like, a 22-year-old, like, you know, like, I... There are just different um things in life that are, are, you know, valuable or important. So, that is... I mean, I don't think necessarily that it's, like, Richard Pryor's job to, like, connect. Like, he has blazed the path, and Eddie is, like, running in the lane, and, like, that's all he has to do. He didn't have to do anything else. You know,
1: I do want to mention, by the way, Coming to America, which was Eddie Murphy's 1988 romantic comedy uh, directed by John Landis. He brings John Landis back. Uh, he, he said he felt bad for John Landis because of the whole trial thing. He's and like, he had... fine.
0: He's like, I'm not going to stand on trial for you, right. but, but I'll let you direct my movie.
1: And the other thing was, is actually Eddie Murphy wanted to direct this originally. Hmm. And he just couldn't get it together as a director and you know so that's i think it's maybe for the best that he didn't direct it but i also don't think i think maybe the movie wouldn't be any different if he directed it um because i don't think john landis has much style right in
0: my opinion it must be stated and it's 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 crazy this man made a movie six years ago, in 1982, his first movie, and then six, seven years later, he has the power, the money of making, you know, prowess or whatever to convince Paramount, hey, I want to not only write, but direct some of these movies. Like, yeah. That's unheard of.
1: And what's great about Coming to America is in terms of his comedy, it's a really understated version of Eddie Murphy, even though he does get to play... You know, three other characters in the film and Arsenio Hall gets to play four other characters in the movie. It's still not like that. Cr- like, it's not like a crazy over the top. Right. It's got it's full of so many fucking funny ideas. The restaurant McDowell's is such a fucking funny concept. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I really love uh, coming to America. Uh, but once again, yeah, it's, it's amazing that he was able to parlay this, this money making into like, well, then put your faith in me and let me continue to make you money.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Now we're entering into the nineties. Uh, in 92, he does Boomerang, which is a box office success. We talked about Boomerang at length in the Holly Berry episode. So good. It's very good. It's a very funny, very, um, progressive, I want to say, for its time. There's still some issues, I'd, I'd say. But for mm-hmm. the most part, pretty progressive on on in terms of sex and romantic comedies. Um, Yeah, watch Boomerang. In 1990 he did another 48 Hours, which was not as successful as 48 Hours, but it, st- it still made money.
0: Did you watch The Distinguished Gentleman?
1: Yes, I did. I love The Distinguished Gentleman. The Distinguished Gentleman comes out in 92. It's kind of a bomb. I think it's a very funny movie. I also think that it is super pertinent to our current political yes. situation.
0: Yes, I was I was watching it. I was like, okay, relevancy. Yeah, It's all about this guy who literally runs because he has the same name as a very popular sender who just died and never does an interview, never does anything. Just says, yeah, I've got this name and he wins. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. The scene where he's
1: explained special interests and mm. how special interests work I have sent to people over the years, (laughs) just as an explainer (laughs) about like how special interests in Washington worked.
2: I'd like to do more money for you, but first I've got to get your positions on a few issues. Where are you on sugar price supports? Sugar price supports. Where should I be, Terry? Shit makes no difference to me, if you're for him. I got money for you from my sugar producers in Louisiana and Hawaii. If you're against them, I got money for you from the candy manufacturers. Terry, tell me something. With all this money coming in from both sides, how could anything possibly ever get done? It doesn't. That's the genius of the system.
1: <laughs> and I just think it's so funny that like he would decide to to focus or do this Jonathan Lynn movie. By the way, Jonathan Lynn, who directed Clue. So, like, clearly, this movie had a special place in my heart. You know, it's this kind of deeper movie than I think people were expecting. I think people were expecting sort of a laugh riot. Or, totally. But I feel like it's sort of more in the vein of Coming to America, where it's not crazy outlandish, though Coming to America does have many outlandish moments. And this movie is certainly more based in reality. His success sort of plateaus around this time period. He makes the third Beverly Hills Cop. It's a huge disaster. He hates it. Uh, Spike Lee criticizes him for not using his status to help other black actors, which we know is false because we've already told you that. And if you want to list, uh, like we said, you know, he gives Damon Wayans a big break in Beverly Hills Cop, Halle Berry and Martin Lawrence and Boomerang, Samuel L. Jackson, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Coming to America, Dave Chappelle and the Night Professor, Chris Rock and Beverly Hills Cop 2. So, like,
0: yeah, that's... it doesn't really
1: have a basis, in fact. But Sorry, I... Spike, it
0: doesn't track. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but uh, he also decides to sort of distance himself from the SNL brand. And, mm. I mean, I'll be honest, he's... I don't blame him. He really made his career himself post-SNL. Yeah. And so he, like, declines to host. He declines to participate in, you know, the Saturday Night Live book that comes out. Um, and he doesn't do any of the reunions until the 40th anniversary special, which was just a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I don't know. I don't think... I think it's weird. People sort of acted like he was biting the hand that fed him, but but he sort of carried SNL for the time period he was <laughs> right. on it. So. Are you fucking
0: kidding me? He was the one feeding them. Like, Yeah, and then in the mid-'90s, you start
1: to see Eddie Murphy head more towards family oriented
0: there's a transformation in yeah. the work he's doing for sure um and not only just like the family stuff but we start getting you know um broader stuff um yeah. including in the family stuff you get a lot of his voice acting that we're that he's very well known for now um but i think in like the nutty professor in 1996 yeah is
1: it's, it's sort of the mix in between because it is definitely like for the most part an adult comedy Mm -hmm. but handled in sort of a very silly, very fun.
0: Um, I remember watching this as a child. And like, do you remember 96, imagine 1996, every single person who thought they were funny is just on the street going, Hercules, Hercules, literally. Yeah. And and it's just, it's because of the Nutty Professor. He,
1: he has said um, he doesn't really have a favorite character that he's ever played, but the most shocking character he's ever played to him is the mom from uh Nutty Professor because he he's so weirded out by the fact that he feels like she's a real person. Just the <laughs> yeah. voice he's doing and the makeup and like he's like, you know, it's one thing to do an old person, to mm-hmm. put on old dragon but to be like, you know, a middle aged woman who's right. just a real person.
0: And so Nutty Professor, we talked about how in Coming to America he plays a couple of characters. He plays you know, the yeah. main character, he plays like the barbershop guy. Uh, and I think there's one more, but another professor, he plays eight characters, yeah. um, and which is kind of like, if we thought like, Oh, he can do, um, mimicry and he can, you know, do impressions. This was him being like, no, I can do, cause he plays the main character, Shervin Klump. He plays the quote skinny version of himself, the bad boy, buddy love, buddy love. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then he plays his entire family, I think, except for like the child, um, And it's it was one of the first times I remember being like, oh, my God, this is a master at work who the dinner table scenes by themselves are just like so, so funny.
1: And him talking about how they had to film those.
2: Well, you can only do a character each day. So if you do five people, it'll take five days to shoot something because I'm on I'm in the set with uh, four tennis balls where the other. Really? And, uh, and I'll talk. I'll just talk to the t- tennis ball. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, they'll give me what I said. I have the audio for what I said the day before. I have it in my ear. So then I, you know, each day, you have the audio in your ear, and you talk to the ball. And, and it looks crazy. If you can come visit the set, it looks crazy. <laughs>
0: And he has enough energy, though, to, like, be playing off of nothing. He yeah. is so good and, like, just such, like, a ball of kinetic energy where it's just, like, so believable. His smile, his huge, huge smile, his huge mouth and just, like, all teeth. Um, He's got that very uh, distinct laugh, if you will. Yes. Uh, it's just, like, kind of is, like... <laughs> Can I tell you
1: that he actually said in an interview in 2011 that he doesn't do that laugh anymore at Stop. all like he, he got tired of people being like do the laugh
0: wow yeah that's so sad
1: and so like he like basically changed ch- his his own laugh he doesn't your chuckle to himself
0: <laughs> 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 i will say natty professor i forgot what it was about i think i knew it was about this fat character yeah. i didn't know that it was about like or i forgot or was a child and didn't understand that, you know, this whole idea of like getting skinny fast and like the poison and la 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 la. Um, it's kind of bonkers, and uh, and and this movie wants to have it all. It's, it's yeah. Those... Well, that's that's the problem,
1: and it, I you know I think there's nothing more apparent than very early on in the film he goes to talk to the dean of the school that he's working at. And there's this joke about him not being able to fit into the chair. Right. And so you want like essentially what you're doing is you're telling the audience you should laugh at him because he's fat. And then the dean says something like, can I get you something, coffee, tea, a rack of ribs? And the movie is telling you, but you should think that asshole is bad because he's making fun of him for being fat. It's like you can't have it both ways.
0: And, And it's truly like, you know. The entire, I mean, I was trying to think, like, I don't think the, this is a very tricky conversation, but I don't think the entire movie is fat jokes, but it is certainly a lot. It is certainly a lot, and we're supposed to be laughing, you know, there's montages of him working out, like, you know, being on the trampoline, and like, and so that is supposed to be be where we, the audience, are supposed to find humor. But then, like, the whiplash of, which, by the way, is bad and fucked up, but then the whiplash of him, you know, He's clearly a depressed man. Like this is, yeah. and and the music and everything is making us the audience say like we should feel bad for him. We need to like be empathetic, and um, you know, people are judging. Like the scene where he's on the date with um Jada Pinkett Smith at the comedy club. Yeah, and...
1: there's nothing more soul crushing than than Dave Chappelle playing the the like insult comedian right. who just tears into him.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good one there. Yeah. Oh boy, you got more crack than Harlem. Look at that. <laughs> boy, so fat every time I turn around, it's his birthday. Okay, all right, man. All right, that's it. You got me. Oh no. No, I ain't got you yet. Should I get him?
0: It's a very wildly, like, crazy fucking tonal movie, but. Uh that, that certainly wouldn't fly today. No. But it is very impressive.
1: I don't love the movie. um, But I do love his performance. And I, right? I kind of agree with Chris Rock. Chris Rock says that, you know, that he should have won an Academy Award. I yes. think he should have at least been nominated. I think that feat of playing all those characters and differentiating them and really, like even the Richard Simmons type, you yes. know, over the top. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, and that, that's, what I was, that's what I was about to bring up. Like people said, like, he should have been nominated for an award for this because it truly is like masterful work um politics aside like he is playing all these characters um and convincingly so like committing like fucking jennifer lawrence won't even get into a mystique costume you know like yeah this man's doing so much work um and and is
1: fucking killing it as i said you know he's moved more towards the family stuff but he is still doing adult stuff around that um right before the nutty professor he did vampire in brooklyn with west craven he does metro in 1997 which is a cop film um and then you know 98 he does mulan mm-hmm. dr doolittle mm-hmm. and then holy man
0: we talked about mulan a lot in our disney renaissance episode yeah. he is so good in it
2: Um, He
1: genuinely is, I mean, yeah. So fucking funny.
2: Yeah. My powers are beyond your mortal imagination. For instance, my eyes can see straight through your armor. Oh! right, that's it. Dishonor. Dishonor on your whole family. Make a note of this. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow.
0: Stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dr. Doolittle, I I rewatched forgot what it was about again like i knew it was about a doctor who can speak to animals but like forgot that the climax is brain surgery on a tiger yeah i i,
1: ne- I had never fully seen it and I, I remember my niece watching it a lot when i was a kid um uh i guess i wasn't a kid in 98 really but <laughs> <laughs> the i remember my my niece watching it and i realized i'd never seen the full thing and i saw it and i was like not great
0: it's a harmless Fine.
1: yeah movie for children I will say a lot of his family fare that's not stuff like Mulan or Shrek, which we're getting to like are so harmless in the way that they're almost banal. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, you're not getting the full Eddie Murphy, you know, like we want him to be that kind of like, I don't, I, I, I don't, it's funny because I think later we're going to get into places where he is able to, to control his temperature and his like energy a little bit more. And these family things, it's kind of just like, huh, there's nothing there. In 99,
1: he does life with, that was um, directed by Ted Demi, which I always forget.
0: And there's just like a slew of black comedian actors who eventually, I mean, at time were maybe coming up, but would eventually turn into like, you know, big stars Anthony Anderson's in this Martin Lawrence co-stars Bernie Mac. Uh, The list goes on and on.
1: He does Bowfinger in 99, which uh, he basically does because he wanted to work with Steve Martin. Um, It was written by Steve Martin. Uh, It's funny, like a fun bit of trivia is his character was actually written for Keanu Reeves. No Uh, way. I don't think that Keanu could do what Eddie Murphy does in the movie. So I think Keanu would have been very funny in one of the roles. Eddie Murphy plays dual roles in this movie. Um, I think Keanu would have been really funny as, like, the big action star character, but... uh, Correct.
0: I don't like this movie.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? I I, I like Bowfinger a lot, actually. Um, Don't love it. I think there's problems, but I I do... I don't know. I found it really funny. But it's also not super Eddie's movie, you know? Right. To me,
0: it's it's a very inside baseball movie. Like, I bet you people in Hollywood laughed and laughed... About, you know, making movies and, like, how hard it is and whatever. Like, and uh, I also just don't like the... I mean, there are certain things, I guess, that make sense. They're trying to be, like, honest about the process, but the process fucking sucks. Um, what's the... Who's the the main female actress in this? Heather Graham. Who, Heather Graham, who, like, literally her entire job in this movie is to, like, fuck everyone she can. And
1: you know what's really mean <laughs> is Steve Martin ha- was dating Anne Hayes and he wrote her character based off her. And oh,
0: there's that scene.
1: Fuck. There's that scene at the end of the movie where she's like, "I just met such and such, the most powerful lesbian in Hollywood."
0: Yes, yes. Ugh, I don't know. Also, Christine Bransky's here, who is doing all the work. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. Not my favorite.
1: So 2000 brings the second Nutty Professor. I didn't rewatch this. I remember it being. So many fat jokes that I was just like,
0: but I do remember Janet Jackson. I remember Janet Jackson. I remember Janet Jackson's song for this all for you. So a banger, a full banger.
1: Oh yeah. I do love that song. Uh, But Shrek comes around in 2001. He plays donkey launches an entire, like, I mean, I can't imagine that movie. And he was always attached. We talked about Shrek in our dreamworks animation episode. Um, He was attached through the Chris Farley era of Shrek uh and so like he he was gonna make this no matter what yeah and i i can't imagine anybody else as donkey
0: and i i rewatched it just for fun it's so good it's so good oh yeah and then
1: now we're sort of the downward slope yes we get a dr doolittle 2 uh-huh we get showtime with robert de niro saw
0: that crazy movie not good
1: uh adventures of pluto nash which ends up becoming one of the biggest box office bombs of all time Uh, i didn't
0: like i i I had never seen it before i watched it i was like wait the the suit that he wears on the cover box of this like the cover art he never wears in the movie he's never in like a space outfit
2: yeah
0: i was like what is this movie yeah no
1: um yeah it's uh it's pretty ridiculous the money this movie um loses it's made for a hundred million dollars it makes 7.1 million jesus Um, yeah so just just, you know
0: the way 94
1: million the way they
0: sold it is crazy like the the tagline is the man on the moon the movie is not about space or like it's literally just like and um, and just
1: like every song in the movie has the word moon in it i don't know if you picked up on that or I, it's, it's trying so hard but i will say this for as critically reviled as it is there's a lot of movies from 2002 that are doing oh. just as bad of stuff as that like the weird thing is is like i more than anything it's fucking harmless it's like a not a good movie but it shouldn't be remembered as well as
0: <laughs> like it should right just exactly go away. because the the other movie he made in 2002, I Spy and yeah. Showtime for for that matter, these are like the, the new Millennium brought us like this is primetime douchebaggery Hollywood, where it's like, you know, I Spy literally is wanting to be a spoof of yeah. you know uh James Bond type things, like and he plays it's, a- it's
1: based off an old TV show that starred Bill Cosby. But the thing is, is like in the this movie version They gave Owen Wilson Bill Cosby's role and they gave Eddie Murphy the other guy's role.
0: Gotcha. I did not know that. And then,
1: you know, Daddy Daycare Daycare. and Haunted Mansion 2003, more kids fair, Shrek 2 in 2004. And really, it's not until 2006's Dreamgirls, where he plays James Thunder early, uh, that his career sees this upswing again yeah um he's nominated for his first academy award he wins a golden globe for best supporting actor as well as screen actors guild award and so everybody's like awards buzz awards buzz awards buzz you know and <laughs> we've and talked bad. about this yeah we've talked about this before um it's a funny thing oh sidebar he wasn't supposed to even play that role they came to him and they offered him jamie fox's part but he oh, had right. seen dream girls on broadway and he was like no 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 He's like, I want this other role.
0: Right. And I mean, we'll talk about Dream Girls later, but there's I fucking love Dream Girls. But um we'll get back to it.
1: Uh but yeah, so the 79th Academy Awards come and he loses to Best Alan fucking Arkin. <laughs> in Little Miss Sunshine, um, whose role is that he swears at a child. Yeah. Um, yeah. and this causes uh a bit of a controversy because he leaves
0: yeah he doesn't stay for the rest of the um, yeah the ceremonies and how, how do you feel about that because honestly I don't care <laughs> I, I you don't care that he left or you don't care that he didn't win
1: I don't care that he left I like I it's it's poor sportsmanship I don't think there's any way to slice it he's defended it over the years he said you know like you know that everybody was looking at him and whatnot and, but like but also like I don't know
0: yeah, no, I mean, first of all, he's Eddie Murphy, who is a fuck. Yeah. He, like, owns half the town. Um, I I didn't know this. I mean, so the, the story, the lore goes that Norbit, which came out during the Oscar campaigning season, yes. um, was released. And it's, I mean, Norbit is not only a bad movie, it's, it's an offensive movie. Yeah, it's not um, a movie. <laughs> it's uh, not, right. I would
1: argue it's not a film.
0: And, um... You know, and then I I was reading how Tandy Newton, who is the one girl in that movie, talks about how he was like barely in it, really. Like she was like all she was like he has the best stand-ins. All of my scenes were with stand-ins. He was always late to set. La la -la x y z. And I was like, huh, that's something I did not know about Eddie Murphy. And then the more I read it,
1: uh, sorry, real quick too, he writes Norbit with his brother, nonetheless. Again, and she like lost a ton of like she looks emaciated in that movie yeah she's because the the script was like literally said her character was thinner than any other woman alive
0: jesus christ
1: yeah
0: humor because she's next to the fat Respucia lol yeah um and 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 so i keep reading about like you know uh when Dream Girls comes out, there's a lot of like talk about him. He's going to win. He's going to win no matter what. He's going to win. Finally, like he's getting his flowers. He deserves it. Overlooked. Blah blah blah. XYZ. But you know, a lot of those articles come along with um, finally going to win, even though he's like ruffled so many feathers in Hollywood. Is difficult to work with. Um, you know, is late to set. Is arguing with directors and executives and producers and XYZ. Um, And so I think like the combination of maybe sowing um, these poor relationships, I guess, with the town um, and (laughs) the bad movie, I think, was enough ammunition for people to be like, you know what, we're not going to vote for him, Um, which fucking sucks. Um, But like the reality is that everyone needs to fucking just swallow is that the Oscars aren't about the performance. Sorry, Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's I don't know. It's really unfortunate because it does. I think it does paint him as sort of like a poor sport and and sort of as a diva and as you mentioned you know he had this he had this pre-existing idea that he was difficult but yeah like i don't know and he's still i've seen him i saw him in interviews for dolomite is my name talking about how like he's he's like i'm gonna win an academy award someday different he's 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 like i you know i have the i have a space for it on my shelf it's gonna happen
0: yeah i love that
1: um So yeah, Norbit comes out in 2007, awful trash, but luckily Shrek the third also comes out in 2007. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we don't have to worry about that. In 2008, he does meet Dave and imagine that in 2009, um, both family movies meet Dave, he plays a spaceship, imagine that he plays a dad. Like, I don't imagine that's maybe the world's most boring movie I've I've seen in a very long time. Truly. Um, It's like,
0: how many movies can Eddie Murphy play where he's a father that works too much and kids are precocious around him?
1: The the thing that drove me the craziest about Imagine That is it's about an imaginary world by a little girl. And we never see it. hmm. And I don't understand what the point of making that movie is if you never show us the imaginary world. Right. Um, Cause then it's just a man and a child yes. running around. Uh, he does uh tower heist in 2011, which is directed by Brett Ratner. And the other reason I bring this up because it's really sort of just a footnote is um, he was also going to host the 84th Academy Awards. Uh, Brett Ratner gets taken down by uh, two right. scandal, which, you know, fuck him. Um, and he was going to direct that year's Academy Awards. And Eddie Murphy, like stepped down as like, well, if you're not gonna let him do it, and and that I will say, that's a bad move, man. Right, like yeah, yeah. don't don't support your friends when they're, they're fucking trash predators. Yeah, he takes a a break after he does a thousand words in 2012. Now, a thousand words he actually shot a couple years before that. It sat on a shelf because nobody could decide what to do it with it. Uh, they reshoot a couple things um and then release it it's a big bomb um and he takes a break um he says you know his favorite thing to do now is to hang out on the couch not make movies and uh like hang out with his kids and
0: his army of kids
1: yeah
2: about six years ago i would took a break i was like i'm not doing anything and i didn't do anything for you know, five or six years. I just kind of sat on it. The- I did one movie I did that uh Mr. Church.
1: He's also for years been linked to various Richard Pryor movies. He has said, you know, he's far too old to play Richard Pryor at this point, but uh the closest they got was uh in the mid 2000, like 2015 ish. Lee Daniels was preparing a Richard Pryor movie with Mike Epps as prior and Eddie Murphy as his father and oh, Oprah wow. Winfrey as his grandmother. Wow. <clears throat> And then Empire became a huge hit. And so it kind of got put on the back burner. Um, he does Mr. Church, which is a, a very small independent film in 2016. He said he only did it because they were shooting it in three weeks. <laughs>
0: so it a lifetime easy. movie.
1: Yeah. It's a oh, I mean, it's it's so much worse than a wife, lifetime movie because it's like super cheap the help. And like honestly, I don't understand the point of telling us that story that's it's about a, a black man who essentially raises a white girl uh, after her mother gets diagnosed from cancer with cancer. And I don't understand why why you would tell that story from the from the white girl's perspective. I Class. genuinely don't.
0: A classic uh, how-to-deal situation. You yeah. need to follow the other character. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Finally, in 2015, he returns to SNL. He does the Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary special. Chris Rock introduces him, dedi- you know, dedicates uh, a tribute to him. Um, in 2015, he also gets the Mark Twain Prize Award for humor at the Kennedy Center, and that's a huge, huge deal.
2: Hasn't been lost on me that, you know, usually when people have... Evenings like this, a person is really, really old when they get these awards. <laughs> right. They'll let you wait, really like, one of the greatest, funniest people of all time was uh, George Carlin, and he received this award, award posthumously. So. <laughs> and he's funnier than all of us, you know, so. so. to be standing here alive and looking like myself still. <laughs> is a. Like, and then in 2019, um, he produces
1: and stars in Dolmite Is My Name uh, which is a film about Rudy Ray Moore who is a pioneering filmmaker I believe we talked about Dolomite Is My Name in our uh, 2019 wrap-up wrap episode. up episode yeah um, it's a fun movie it's really good I think Eddie Murphy's really great in yes. it um, yes. I'm happy he was able to produce it and as he said you know like this movie wouldn't have been made without Netflix mm-hmm. people everything is so big now that netflix is the only one making these sort of mid-budget you know taking chances on these films um
2: yeah yeah.
0: and we talked about uh in that wrap-up episode how divine joy randolph is a
1: star well well, that's the other thing is he said netflix allowed him to take chances because he's able to populate the movie with you know people that he likes and people that he knows are going to be good but also take chances on people that he has no idea how they're going to be and then they turn out amazing yeah just give a little turn
2: it's little, don't talk too hard. Don't take the motherfucker off. Oh, shit. Oh, that's a motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's all pretend. You put on a cape and turn into a fucking superhero. Leave the real you behind. Go on stage. And...
1: Magic, huh? <laughs> Before we move into the picks, I do want to talk a little bit both about his personal life and just mention that he is a singer. He has said <gasps> singing is the actual joy of his life if he, he said if he was to tour again he would be telling jokes and then forcing the audience to listen to him sing in between
0: listen i would sit my ass through an eddie murphy cabaret and have the <laughs> time of my fucking life imagine just like hearing stories listen to him singing he's such a musical performer he's also such a good singer he i mean he famously has um Party all the time, right? Party all
1: the time. There was that terrible meme going around a couple months ago where people were like millennials explain or like Gen Z explain this to us. And it's just like, yeah, Eddie Murphy had Eddie it out. Mur- Mur-
0: That's like no, um, there's no explanation <laughs> needed. Eddie Murphy's a brilliant singer. Yeah. Um he it, which is, I think, part of like his vocal abilities of like imitating other people. Yeah. He he, he sings a little bit in movies here and there. Uh-huh. Um obviously in Dream, Dream Girls he's singing, but like in other movies, he has just these moments he does a really good Michael Jackson impression um he has said many times that
1: um many people do Michael Jackson but no one else does Michael Jackson singing
0: there you go yeah <laughs> I, I
1: believe it um but yeah it's he he had two singles in the 80s party all the time and put your mouth on me
2: that's actually what I do most is music I have a studio at my house and I record stuff and I write and I play a little bit and- been doing it for years and years and years. That's what I do most. That's what I do for free. <laughs> like you know, just what I. Yeah. That's what I do for, for me.
1: In terms of his family, he has ten children. Yes. His kids range anywhere from thirty to to two or around two ish. Um, he's been um involved with many a woman. Yes. Uh, a lot of these w- children do not have the same mother um paulette mcneely uh is the mother of one tamra hood is another uh famously melanie brown scary spice um mm-hmm. is is one of his children's mother um yeah it's interesting he doesn't sound like a bad dad when he talks about his kids in interviews he sounds like he really loves his kids and he's he's involved in their lives
2: uh, my contemporaries The people that came on the scene uh, when I came on the scene or or really had like impact uh, most of them are dead like Michael and Prince and Whitney and all those people and uh, without getting into the logistics of uh, why they're gone uh, what they all had in common was uh, their careers were all-consuming, mm-hmm. and uh, I've learned that the, it's, your, your career can't be everything. Your career has to be what you do, and, but at the center of it has to be family. I know there's been
1: controversy over the years about like child support and spousal support. And especially with the Mel B stuff, for some reason, I didn't necessarily, um, look too deep into these because we're not really here to dissect people's parental lives. Right. uh, I mean, that's why we didn't, we didn't even touch on the arrest during the Dr. Doolittle period where, you know, he had a trans sex worker in his car. He claimed he was just giving them a ride. Um, I don't know enough about these situations. I wasn't there. so <laughs> oh, you, you, did, you, did, you didn't make it? I was it? not there. Huh. No, I was, Funny. I was the pap with the camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, smile. Um, But yeah, and and so that's like his c- complicated family life. But there's been a lot of women in his life. And that's that Murphy charm there he it was is. talking about. Um, his brother, Charlie, as we mentioned, uh, died in 2017. He died of leukemia. Um, and then in terms of philanthropy, <sighs> Um he's donated money to the AIDS Healthcare Foundation as well as cancer, education, creative arts, family support, health and homeless charities uh and he donated to the Martin Luther King Jr. Center and he also donated $100,000 to the Screen Actors Guild Strike Relief Fund. Um I've said many times on the show we bring up philanthropy because I think it's important to, to point out that th- these celebrities are people too. They have causes and they have the means to donate more than, you know, absolutely. And, and so it's always nice to hear like, oh yeah, like that they put their money where their mouth is. And these are the things they support. Like, like you said, the thing earlier about not understanding all the issues with AIDS and he's really since given back in that fashion, uh, which is another part of that apology is like, He's not paying to make you forget that he said some homophobic shit, but he is donating money to let you know that he understands what he said was wrong and he was misinformed. Totally. Uh, But I think that sort of wraps up Eddie as a whole, really lets Mm -hmm. you understand who he is as a person. Why don't we move into our picks and talk about what we like and what we didn't like. So let's start with our one-star reviews. I don't know if there is... A worse film than Norbit. Um <laughs> I I I had never seen Norbit before. Me uh, either. Because why, because would, why I? would
0: anyone watch Norbit? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um Norbit is a is a movie uh, in which uh, he plays a character named Norbit who's a, a nerdy guy, um Norbert Albert Rice, um, who grows up in a Chinese restaurant slash orphanage uh called the Golden Wonton, owned by Mr. Wong who is also Also. played by Eddie Murphy in a extreme yellow face, very racist performance. Yes. Um, He ends up falling in love with a girl (laughs) named Kate. Um, They pretend to marry each other. uh, But five years later, uh, Kate's adopted and taken away five years later on a playground, uh, an overweight, child named Rasputia Lattimore defends him and's like I'm your girlfriend and then they stay together for the rest of their life and Kate comes back in when he's in his middle aged and he realizes he's in love with her and he can't get away from Raspuchia. Um it's awful it is so many fat jokes so yeah. many fat, like if you thought the Nutty Professor and Nutty Professor 2 were inappropriate in there Norbit is just genuinely the most repulsive, mean spirited uh, type of humor, um, and it's it's so strange to me because I don't understand why why they made this movie scott tobias of the av club gave the movie an f grade and wrote it probably isn't possible for a single movie to reverse all social progress made in the civil rights era but norbit the latest broadside from eddie murphy does its best to turn back the clock
0: yeah it's
1: hideously offensive black stereotypes are merely the tip of the iceberg
0: yeah and i (sighs) who (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's, it's hard Love, to talk about it's, it's, it's insanely hard to talk about I'll I'll give him credit, and this is not me being serious I, I really want to preface it this way I'll give him credit, he doesn't do the thing that we normally Hate on this show, which is yes, that, that he, There's a terrible character, and then They turn it on the audience and say, no, you were Terrible for judging her, the thing about Respucia is she's awful from beginning To end, irredeemable, and irredeemable Never learns anything But also doesn't Seem to have a character outside of being
0: fat. Yeah. I mean, I will say that. So I read that the movie was written because they essentially wanted to write something about a overbearing wife who basically beats their husband. It's an abusive relationship. And this is what this is. You know, Respucia is controlling Norbit, the character. I mean, Eddie's playing like a really kind of nerdy. He does like a weird voice. He's like slump, like slouched over. He's very, just like kind of diminutive, um, whereas Respucia is overbearing, dominating, doesn't take shit. What I thought was interesting, like you could make this movie and just without any of the fat jokes, and it still like to me works as a narrative. Like this is a, a woman who's like bossy in charge. I know what like women who like I th- I think he, I think Raspuchia is funny without any of like having to see her like and all the fat jokes at the water park. You know, like yeah. literally her going into a pool and all the water flowing out like (laughs) there you could make this movie someone who is uh, not being as mean about it can make this movie about a woman who is mean and not have to like make all the jokes about her being fat like it's 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 so uncomfortable to watch
1: it's super uncomfortable it's frustrating especially as an overweight person it is never fun to see that reflected back at you especially when it's so mean-spirited but also it's i i feel like the movie attempts to excuse itself by being so cartoony that yeah. it, it like literally tries to be like a lie like there's like speed up fun runs <sighs> yes, and like yes. um and but i i still just don't understand the impulse to make it but on it's, the reverse, on the reverse side of that, and as you mentioned, the whole the whole thing about um, Tandy Newton saying that you know he was he wasn't there. Part of that is makeup. He spent so much time in makeup. Academy Award nominated makeup, by the way. So I take that. But also, like I do, I almost feel like he he didn't. He was just like whatever. It'll make it'll make money, and right. the other side of that is
0: it did like that's the
1: sad part it was made for 60 million dollars it made 159.3 million dollars so
0: and i think that's why like when anyone tries to tell him about his bad movies or how he's had a comeback he's like fuck you i've been making movies for 40 years yeah everyone's seen my movies like all of my movies make money um you know And, and like i said at the beginning he's like his movies have generated $7 billion of revenue worldwide. So it's hard to like shit on him for a lot of things. But uh, Norbit is uh, certainly a, a, a one where it, it's, uh, there is no apologizing for that movie. Like, <laughs> holy shit.
2: God damn it, Norman, how many times I got to tell you when you drive my car, don't adjust my seat? I haven't touched your seat. Then why is it up so damn far? It looks like it's back as far as it goes with Fuchsia. No, you move that I can tell. Cause look, when I inhale my titty make the horn honk. Listen.
1: Do you have a different one star review though?
0: I do actually. Oh, um, shocking. I know because I, Norbert is very bad and I agree, but I will say that Eddie Murphy is doing Eddie Murphy. He's yeah. putting on a character, making voices, um, you know? I, and so like, the thing is bad, but he is very good at doing this bad thing, is what I'm trying to say. My one-star review actually goes to, uh, what year is this? 2016's Mr. Church. Um, it's bad. Not only do I think the movie is bad, I think I have never seen Eddie Murphy this bad in a movie. Um, I And what's funny, I saw like reviews that were like, who gave the movie bad reviews, but said that he was really good in it. I was like, where he's like, (laughs) so not only do you get a very lukewarm Eddie Murphy turned all the way down. He's not, like it's not a comedy. It's very much like, you know, the plot is a woman is dying and the father of her, her child who has a wife, he has given Mr. Church, Eddie Murphy's character, an undisclosed amount of money to take care of her until she dies. Uh, and so he like shows up every day and cooks and like, is basically like a yes sir type person. And what I hate about this movie is like, you just don't know anything about him. Even like a big part of the movie is how he is impenetrable. And this girl who the child, she grows up around him. She tries to ask him about his life and he's like, no, it's my life. I get to do whatever I want, whatever. Um, Slowly, like you get to see a little bit more about him, but literally all that looks like on this film is him playing drunk. This is the worst drunk acting I've ever seen.
2: you shit. Oh, I'm a sinner. That's right. I'm a sinner. You're a failure. You're a goddamn failure. Talking shit. Kick your ass, old man. Yeah, I ain't to no more.
0: From what I got, it was like that he was secretly playing because a lot of they show him a lot like using his fingers Like he's a piano player and he's going to a bar and he always brings back the matches from the bar And so I just thought oh, he's a drunk like okay So he's a drunk and that's his secret life and he's a drunk musician It's him coming home and just like kind of talking to himself and like stumbling around. I was like this is very bad he's you could see all of the acting on him. And because the movie has sapped all the charm out of Eddie Murphy, there's literally nothing there. I don't know what performance he's giving, but it was very much like high school play theater class type shit. Um, And, and beyond that, like (laughs) it's just a very disrespectful like offensive thing like about this it's based on a fucking true story about this man who took care of this woman and she wrote a book about him and it's and, it, like, and it
1: feels like she'd still learn nothing about him
0: yeah ever. yeah truly at the very I, I was like i don't know anything about this man and then spoiler he passes away at the end a guy just kind of like comes to the funeral and is like Oh, good old Mr. Church. He was always at the club and like tells you nothing. Yeah. It's it's not like, oh, yeah, he actually had a very full, passionate life about this, 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 or even something about the fact that like he loved you and he learned a lot from you. Like nothing, literally nothing. This movie yeah. is a whole big nothing burger that is dressed with the most bland fucking performances I've ever seen and I couldn't believe it because and it felt even extra sad because I was like this feels like him reaching back and trying to scramble back to his perhaps Oscar moment in Dream girls and it's just sad
1: yeah it was it was like one of the smallest films he'd ever done uh so I'll give him credit for that. But yeah, but it's clear too, it came in that period, that like five-year period where he didn't really do anything. Yep. Um, and he was just like, well, I'll do this thing, whatever. Was there anything else that you saw you didn't particularly like?
0: Um, there is a lot of bad Eddie Murphy movies, yeah. Or are at the very least, like just like you said, banal, benign. Um I I thought <laughs> The Golden Child is a very fucked up movie, but like yeah. Silly Billy. You know,
1: I I think the things I really hated were the more than anything, the like cop movie knockoffs. I, you know, Showtime and Metro are so (laughs) they're hard to get through. And it's funny because there's things like there's things that I think people think are bigger bombs like adventures of pluto nash or meet dave but honestly i would rather watch him do something that's like a weird big swing right that oh, totally. that might be a disaster but at least somewhat still engaging then watch him do paint by numbers yeah cop drama
0: even like a, a thousand words to me i was like what is this yeah. movie like yeah a, again just like the most generic like yeah american dad who works too hard and needs to learn about my life before this tree fucking dies whatever yeah
1: frustrating thing about a thousand words is jim carrey made that movie it was called liar liar and right
0: exactly correct
1: and i was i was like oh because when it got to the end i was like so you're just going with the same ending right literally (laughs) literally the same thing uh but yeah all right we've said enough grievances let's get to the praise let's go to our five star reviews Hit me, Gavin. Okay, so my five-star review, I think, is you know one of his crowning achievements as a comedian, even though he's not necessarily doing the crazy sort of overtop thing that you think of. It's 1988's Coming to America. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Coming to America. Mm-hmm. I rewatched it for this just to make sure that I that I loved it. And genuinely, it's so fucking funny. Coming to America. Eddie Murphy plays Prince Akeem as well as. Three other characters. We'll get to them. But he plays Prince Akeem of Zamunda, this fake African country, and he's deciding that he wants to go to America because he wants to pick his own bride he doesn't want to he's he's not a princess to be sold off he 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 wants
0: real life mom he wants to experience the
1: world it's so funny because i i was reading like the very few negative reviews of this at the time that came out and a lot of them were kind of like um you know, like he's not doing the the thing. And when I'm like, I was like, yeah, it's a fucking fairy tale. That's why I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is really literally is. the plot of every 90s Disney movie. Like he's the princess. Yeah. He, truly. You know, he's Jasmine and he will not have the Sultan tell him that he can't no. marry that street rat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's that's literally what it is. And so they, they go to New York and they they have this. It's New York in the 80s and they have this. It's very, him in Arsenio like, Hall, right? Yeah. Uh, who is his like right-hand man slash trainer slash best friend um and the thing is is they you know they they end up in queens <laughs> the, yeah they go to the place where kings should go uh-huh. to find queens queens yeah. and it's a rundown apartment and they have to get jobs and what's funny is is it's the the sort of fish out of water scenario But the thing I hate about fish out of water movies is they're usually like characters like wondering what that 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 car is like, is that a dragon? And I like fish out of water movies where they're like bemused by the fact that they're and that's really where he's at, where he's just kind of like, okay, this is weird and different. I'm going to make it work.
0: Yeah, he like has to get this. Uh, minimum wage job at the McDowell's and yeah. he's like he's so bemused by the like fact of like frying you know um, french fries and like mopping up and like everything is just kind of like very silly and that kind of comes to a head when like isn't there um, a burglar or whatever that comes to McDowell's yes. and like he kind of is just like okay I'm about to jump into action and like they take down this like villain um, and it's just very casual you know like that's just right. like oh yeah, exactly.
1: he ends up falling in love with the daughter of Cleo McDowell who owns McDowell. Lisa is her name, and he decides he wants to marry her above all. You know, his father comes played by the great James Earl Jones. Yes. His father comes to New York to try and tell him he's being crazy. And and you know, it's funny situations ensue. There's a barbershop underneath the apartment. Uh <laughs> he plays the Clarence, the owner of the barbershop, as well as Saul, who's a Jewish barbershop patron.
2: Martellano was good, but compared to Joe Lewis, rocking Mountain ain't shit. He bit Joe Lewis' ass. That's right, he did whoop Joe Lewis' ass. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when they fought. I don't know how old he was, but he got an ass whoop. Joe Lewis always lied about his age. He lied about his age all the time. One time, Frank Sinatra comes out here and sat down this chair. And I said, Frank, you hang out with Joe Lewis just between me and you. How old is Joe Lewis? You know what Frank told me? He said, hey, Joe Lewis 137 years old. 137 years old. Oh, man, you ain't never meet no Frank Sinatra. Fuck you! Fuck you and fuck you! Who's
1: next? It's full of silly, zany jokes, uh, but they don't feel juvenile. They they feel well thought out. And it, it's got a really sweet message. And like I said, it's, it's a Disney cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's Black Panther meets Aladdin from Jasmine's side. Yeah, so totally. Uh yeah, I really I really love coming to America.
0: If Beverly Hills Cop was his arrival, like coming to America was his coronation. You know, like, absolutely, it was like the eighties are mine. <laughs>
1: uh, so what is your five star review?
0: Well, it will be no surprise to anyone that my five star review is 2006's Dream Girls. They'll make you happy. They will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I. Drove with my best friends in high school and one of their moms to San Antonio to watch this movie when it came out because it did not come out in my hometown uh, when it was first released. And we just, oh, this movie, like, it was, first of all, it was a full packed house, um, a majority black audience who were just clapping after every number, um, this in awe of the spectacle of this movie. It's a long movie, but also like, (laughs) I can sit and watch Jennifer Hudson, Beyonce, and Eddie Murphy, yeah. and Anika Noni Rose just belt their fucking faces off. Um, if you don't know, Dreamgirls is, is a, a based on a, a musical that uh, is about. It's it's kind of like a knockoff of the Supremes, the story of the Supremes, um, where the perhaps less talented singer gets put front and center to be uh, the star. That would be Beyonce. Um, where the bigger girl, Jennifer Hudson, is put behind, even though she has the most powerful voice. Um, They uh, don't win a contest, but are discovered at this contest to sing backup to uh, Eddie Murphy's character, James Thunder Early. And so they play background for him for a little while. uh, And sooner than later, you know, they fall in with a manager played by Jamie Foxx who is really just like ruthless in trying to push... Um, his black musicians into the mainstream white arena. He is not satisfied with just selling to the black market and, and um, he's going to do whatever it takes to break into the white market, even if it's stepping to the bad side. That's a wink (laughs) for a song. Um, And which means like polishing down these black acts into more palatable musicians, especially uh, Eddie's role uh, or his character, uh, James Thunder early uh, into less of a crazy, wild um, Little Richard character and more into kind of like a croony, um, I don't know, basic dude. It's drama, 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 girl group drama. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm not going. Uh, And yeah, it's just, a barrel of fun, um, incredible performances. And and Eddie Murphy, specifically, is just kind of a revelation. He gets to do every single thing that he is good at in this movie. He's wild. He's funny. He's subdued. He's sad. He sings. He dances. Um, his best number, I think, is the one that we get introduced to him, um, Fake Your Way to the Top. And it's essentially, you know, the girls just meet him and he's like, Okay, like we're, we're going on tonight and they're like, well, you can teach us a song, mister. And he starts on the piano really slow. He's crooning at them. Gorgeous voice. And then it picks up, the camera turns around and they're just dancing, 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 just having the time of their lives. He also falls in love with one of the the Dreamettes, The Dreams, played by Anika Rose. Um, And they have their storyline about, you know, he's married, um, they're in love, he never leaves his wife. um, And then he has, you know, troubled future and um, tragic ending. But, uh, yeah, this movie and that role, I was just like, who else could have done this? Who else?
1: (laughs) It's Uh, true. Because he has the range. Yeah, you know, he literally, he he can bring, you know, the charm to it, Mm -hmm. the 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 pipes, uh, as well as the comedy and yes. the darkness
0: yeah yeah there is later in, in in the movie when he's you know hasn't had a hit record is really looking to you know i i, I told my sister when we watched this again i was like if this was a star born he is the bradley cooper and the dreamettes are the lady gaga you know their stars <laughs> rising his is like crashing um and what's funny is as you mentioned jamie fox was first um pitched the 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 role of the manager and he turned it down because he didn't want to do it um then he heard that the movie was going to have eddie murphy and beyonce in it, and he was like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> fine um i think what it was is actually he was demanding more money um but when he heard that eddie murphy and beyonce were in the movie he said okay fine i'll take the less like um the lower paycheck um and i i yeah i think. Everyone in this movie is just so good. What's funny, a little bit of trivia, Jamie Foxx's um, right-hand man in this movie um, is played uh, James early, Thunder, Thunder early on Broadway as an understudy before. And so uh, you get this... I mean, Loretta Devine is also in this movie who was the original uh, Lorel. So there's a lot of, like, Broadway love in this movie. I just... You know, we were sitting there, me and Derek and my sister, just, like, watching Eddie Murphy just, like cool faces he's also in this movie you get danny glover as his old manager i i was just like man seeing a scene of danny glover eddie murphy and jimmy fox together kind of like shooting the shit i was like you just don't get like all these icons in a room together and not make
2: magic it ain't working marty that faint used to kill him he used to slam in the eyes but now you got everybody doing it you got otis jb everybody doing my shit yeah, jimmy everybody's doing it but who's the original who the first one to fall down and start screaming? That yeah, was you. I'm the and first. How you killing tonight, baby. It's beautiful, Jimmy. Beautiful. Hey, Marty, you full of shit, man. I need something. Man. I need something, baby. That's what I need. Sweet mother Jesus. I need that right there. What you need is a new sound. What I need is a new caddy. That one you sold me is dripping oil, baby. <laughs> shit. <laughs> it made me so
0: happy to rewatch this movie and see him shine. and. I will say, you know, it sucks so hard that <laughs> this performance compared to Alan Arkin and Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. I just don't get it, man. Like I Yeah, I,
1: there's a lot of depth there. He,
0: yeah. It it's it clearly like if there's no other proof that the performance doesn't always win, and it is politics. Like that this is it. When you think about like um how Sandra Bullock won her Oscar right after um all about Steve, awful movie. And you could argue and win that the blind side performance is not as nearly as good as this one is. she still managed to win, but that's probably because the politics of her being, you know, um, this nice white lady who everyone loves and like probably, you know, America's sweetheart. How could you say no to that? Um, It's just a a very fucking unfortunate thing. And uh, I think Eddie, like to me, especially like, This, he's in control of so much. He does a lot of great things in his earlier movies and he's so funny, so physical. This is just like, choose your weapon, and he's got them all.
1: That's a good pick. Well, while we're on the topic, is there anything else that you saw that you particularly liked?
0: We need to absolutely shout out Shrek and Mulan, iconic vocal performances. Um, And it's so
1: funny because those performances have to be so big. Yeah. But he's already kind of a big performer that it just it, I don't it's, know
0: it's like Robin Williams level like it must have been a dream to animate to his voice because yeah. he has so much life in that voice um we've talked about these movies before vampire in brooklyn i think is a really fun movie and i think yeah. he's really good in it uh uh boomerang i think is oh, really good
1: boomerang absolutely seriously if you haven't watched boomerang watch it the distinguished gentleman i think could not be more topical than yes, it, than it yes. is uh and it is funny to see that come back around. Um, the original Beverly Hills Cop is a lot of fun. Not all of it has aged well, but right. I still think there there is something really charming about that character. And you know, it's uh, unfortunately diminishing returns. <laughs> Two is fun, I guess, but uh, <laughs> three is garbage.
0: And finally, I think um, Dolomite is truly you know oh absolutely. sensational.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's on Netflix. And I, I I know that sounds, that might be, like, weird and maybe classist, but, like, I feel like almost everybody has access to a Netflix account. Even if you're stealing your ex-girlfriend's brother's account, everybody's got access to it for somewhere. So I would I really recommend watching Dolomite Is My Name.
0: Yeah, such a sensitive and charming performance. Like, that's, that's a kind of what, what I want to talk about, like, going into the fast forward. Just, like, he has matured into such a performer – And I appreciate that, like, in this movie, he could have been pulling all the faces and gaggeronies, but instead he is able to kind of, like, put a lid on it and just simmer throughout the entire movie. I, I, yeah, I I watched that movie with my mom, like, last Christmas, um, two Christmases ago, last Christmas. Uh, And yeah, I was just so surprised that it wasn't, like, the same Eddie Murphy we're used to seeing in these types of comedies. So
1: with that, I think we should do our mixed reviews review. So my one-star review was 2007's In Orbit. My
0: one-star review is 2016's Mr. Church.
1: And my five-star review was 1988's Coming to America.
0: And my five-star review is 2006's Dreamgirls.
1: So we're in our fast forward now. So, one of the reasons for doing Eddie Murphy in the first place was Coming to America 2 was supposed to be coming out early December. And then Amazon decided to put it out in March. So, we are. It's
0: coming to America, Tokyo Drift.
1: (laughs) So, we are left, unfortunately, without a new Eddie Murphy movie, really, to uh, tell you to go watch. But it is coming. it's I'm excited for it. Uh, he you know I, I found an interview with him where he just finished shooting it. Um, he was saying you know working with everybody again was was a big laugh and and they just had a really good time and he was able actually to put one of his daughters in the film um, playing one of his daughters and he said, you know like sitting at the read through with James Earl Jones and having James Earl Jones saying like, uh, i'm not gonna say that <laughs> i'm not gonna say that uh was was a lot of fun for him and i'm very excited for coming to america uh and hopefully it, it carries that same energy yeah that the first one has uh, also uh announced because he has this working relationship with netflix and he hasn't been able to get it off the ground for a re- very long time beverly hills cop 4 which netflix is going to distribute uh that'll be interesting yeah. I'll believe it when I see it.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, uh, Beverly Hills Cop was they shot a pilot for a show.
1: Yeah, that, with his son and
0: Right. That wasn't picked up. Um I, I think I feel like Beverly Hills Cop 4 has been long in um the works, if you will. Um I also read, I don't know where I read this, but that early in his career or sometime in his career paramount bought the rights to fences hoping to do a vehicle for him with fences that obviously never got made it did later would get made by um denzel washington can you imagine an eddie murphy in fences i don't know i mean i mean um do we want eddie murphy in fences
1: who would would play viola's role would it just be eddie murphy also yes it would be eddie (laughs) And Eddie. Um, The the Clumps Three Fences. (laughs) Fences. I, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I think Fences is perfect the way it is. Uh, So it's, it's that. It'd be interesting to see. Right. It's that
0: thing, though, that like, you know, I was reading up on the Dream Girls Buzz of him getting an Oscar and Overdue and how he had resisted, you know, the Adam Sandler, Robin Williams of it all going dramatic, Jim Carrey, these types of performers who, you know, would do those curveballs to get their shine, to get their accolades, blah, blah, blah. Um, And honestly, I think Eddie doesn't have to, like, unless there is something that is really going to like, give him a platform to succeed and show what he's good at. Like when he came back and he finally hosted SNL again uh, uh, last year, um, around the time of Dolomite. And it's, he won a fucking Emmy for that. You know, it's, he is good at what he does, and I think it's kind of silly for us to be like, well, if you're good at this, go do a dramatic role to win an Oscar. Like, no, just fuck it. Like, I don't need that. I I I want you to succeed at what you're good at doing. Um, yeah. And he's very good at what he does. And the <laughs> truth the truth of it is, he should have fucking won an Oscar for, like hand over hand, like many times for what he does. Um. Uh, so. There, Have that. you
1: heard the? So there was a rumor going around for a while, and I I don't know if it's actually happening. Um, there was a script written by Josh Gad. Oh God. Yeah. Um, that was s- that's set to be the sequel to the movie Twins, starring Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I'm familiar. Called Triplets. Hate it. Where Eddie Murphy plays the long lost third Two brother. Danny, Danny DeVito, DeVito and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Their triplet
0: i i think i don't know what the I, fuck is josh gad smoking is my question
1: i i just i don't know if we need that energy in the world no no I, no, no, no. i think eddie you know coming to america great beverly
0: hills cup four, fine but like triplets
1: no you don't need it.
0: I've, I've read that he has been working on you know, stand-up material. I think Netflix yes. was ready for him to have a new special. Which, which I think he's hesitant
1: about because he said over and over and over in every interview I've watched that if he's to go back to stand-up, he needs to start in the small clubs. That's the only yeah. way you can do it. It needs to be small. He can't start out doing Madison Square Garden, even though he <laughs> knows he can sell it out. He needs to try out material. Yeah, and he, he has said, you know, one of the reasons he backed away from... Uh, stand up was you he with his level of fame he couldn't try out material anymore, right? You right. know he'd be going to clubs trying to work out something, and then he'd read in the paper you know like Eddie Murphy joked about this and he joked about that and he's like, I don't yeah. know that's I'm working yeah you need to I'm working
0: through it, right? Yeah, that sucks.
1: Um, so yeah. but I would I would love if he went back to stand up I think that would be really interesting and uh, yeah and- I
0: I also think now like in this this arena he I I don't think he has any interest in doing this but I would kill for him to just have like an Instagram show where he literally just like (laughs) talks shit with friends and like tells stories because I think he's one really good at that and I essentially I want him to have a show I don't think he would put up with any of the bullshit to actually make the show so like the easiest thing i was like okay put a computer in front of him and have him zoom with a friend
1: and and i think that's what it would have to be is it would definitely have to be you know him shooting the shit with a friend and not necessarily like a format <laughs> or anything because he's no. very good in interviews especially when he's really comfortable with the person interviewing him but i will Absolutely. say he is a very private person and oh, yeah. for for having as many children as he has and as many partners as he's had over the years uh he's kept it close to the chest. Yep. And and done a good job with it. Um and so I think I think he does sort of regard that. On the flip side of that, you're right though. He's had it, you know, he's told stories where you know he did Beverly Hills Cop in 48 hours and Marlon Brando fucking invited him to lunch just Amazing. to like shoot the shit or like he went to a club with Sammy Davis Jr. And Sammy Davis Jr. told him, you know, Satan is just as powerful as God. And like, Jesus you know, so he has all these funny fucking stories that he, you know, said at the time, he's like, I was a 20 year old. I was wearing leather suits all the time. I thought I was the hottest shit in the world. He's like, now I look back and I'm like, what
0: is my life? <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. He has a treasure trove of stories to tell. Um, and I think, I, I I think a lot of people would be I think we're ready to hear him, to hear him. we're yeah. ready
1: he's like famously a luddite he doesn't read the newspaper he doesn't have twitter he doesn't you know so he as well as avoiding being part of the gossip he's removed himself from the gossip yeah he's and, like and, I don't
0: own a computer I'm a technological dumbass yeah which good for him I guess if you know that's a way to survive I'll tell you that
1: <laughs> it certainly is trust me I have my issues with social media so i get it uh but you've been banned everywhere
0: i have <laughs>
1: not allowed the <to> club anymore <laughs> at all um but yeah but you're right i i i would love to i would love to see more stand up from him i would love if it was just stories yeah. i would you know but he has had a career and he's not done he's only 59 like yeah. i said uh i, I, I just young.
0: i just want like his memoirs i want like i i would die to like watch a cabaret show of him at a piano and just like with a good like someone someone can you the imagine
1: keys? if he did a joe's pub show
0: uh, kevin i was just thinking that I
1: just... <laughs> can we go to the once we get this vaccine once yeah. we're allowed to go places can you and i pitch yes. Eddie murphy on his joe's pub uh,
0: you call him i'm going yeah. to um pray to the moon and stars and uh, <laughs> yeah, Eddie don't murphy. email him he won't no. get it no he no. won't get it um, yeah, Eddie Murphy at Joe's Pub. Oh, an intimate cabaret. Sign me the fuck up.
1: Absolutely. But I think that wraps up Eddie Murphy.
0: You know that this is a clever man. This is someone who is a survivor. You know, he's had a troubled youth. This man's a star. Like, we talk yeah. about, like, uh, actors and stars, and I think he is the rare combination because he is the epitome, to me, at least, Hollywood star um, who has done it all. And isn't done yet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That brings us to the conclusion of the episode. If you liked what you heard, you can find us online at Twitter at at The Mixed Reviews.
0: If you didn't like us online, then goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) End meeting. Uh, We're also on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews.
1: You can email us at ReviewsMixed at gmail.com. Drop us a note. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you like.
0: Yeah, we're also on Instagram at the underscore Mixed underscore Reviews slide into our dms why won't
1: you oh absolutely and i said that i sounded so fake oh yeah mm. totally do that yeah that was very
0: alexis mm. yeah love that mm, yeah
1: uh also if you could kindly wander over to apple podcasts and leave us a five-star review and write us a little love note we will read it on the show. If you want to listen to us the way that you've been listening to this entire episode, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Google Play, Amazon, Audible. We are everywhere. Spotify. Just, yes. you know, Just type our names in. You'll find it.
0: Call us. Beep us if you want to reach us.
1: But thank you so much for joining us this week. We will be back next week uh, with one more episode of the year, and then we'll be taking a small break for the holiday wow we got one more left honey is we do and then we got a whole slew of stuff coming in 2020 or 2021 wow it yes. is wow the, this year days. didn't really didn't happen did it didn't happen uh, at all <laughs> but yeah we got a whole slew of stuff coming up in 2021 and i would also like to real quick thanks again to michelle pod and Brittany who won their shirts and we will i will email you and we'll get them to you asap
0: Yes, happy holidays, everyone. No matter what you celebrate, stay safe. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.